0: Today I'm in conversation with Sam Fonoi Moana, who's the founder and CEO of Data Join, a B2B marketing analytics company. Sam shares his thoughts and experience related to growing up in Hawaii, California, and then studying at BYU, and initially choosing business as a career and joining his father-in-law's export business, then doing an MBA to study finance and wanting to continue his business pursuit. Starting with a role as an analyst to plan budgets and review progress with various departments in a publishing company. Learning to code to get the various reports to analyze the data was his first step with IT. He also talks about how he gets and associates context with the data to infer meaning that could lead to some actions. His philosophy of following the money, getting customers and retaining customers was something that he talks about as a guiding way of how his business is run. He also talks about his trigger to start his company DataJoin to connect data from the web and data that resides within an enterprise using context. Having run a business in the export-import area and then getting into technology, he talks about his experience of working with techies and how his experience of being a football player and being part of a sports team influence the core values at data join, particularly two of them that he talks about, Aloha and It Takes a Village to Raise a Child. He also shares the confidence he got from his mother about being able to get anything he wanted to achieve and his joy and frustrations with information technology and how he sees AI and ML techniques impacting data analytics. And finally, his career advice for people considering a career or aspiring to shift to data techniques. Listen on. Hi Sam, welcome to the Software People Stories.
1: Oh, good morning or hi Shiv. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you as a guest, particularly considering that you say that you are among the first from your region, the region of the world, you know, to get into uh, becoming an entrepreneur, etc. Yeah, don't get an opportunity too often to you know meet you know people from that area. So yeah. uh, like we normally do, um, if uh, we can start with a self-introduction and you can say, what is your origin story? How you got interested in or got engaged with uh, information technology?
1: Then we'll take it from there. Sure. Um, so my name is Sam Fornoe Moana. And, oh, I guess we'll go way back. We'll go way back to, to my college days. You know, I was studying at uh, Brigham Young University here in Provo, I had grown up in Hawaii and in California, and really, you know the that that was the only world that I knew when when I came up here to b y u um I was studying and then i I got engaged I think it was my my junior year I was still finishing up with my generals, and I actually didn't know what what I wanted to do, but I figured hey, I'm gonna have a family now i better I better make a choice pretty quickly and uh I chose business just because. You know, I think earlier when I was younger, I would have liked to have been a, a football player, you know, maybe played uh, professionally, but uh, um, that definitely wasn't the path I was going down. So businessman sounded good to me because businessmen, you know, uh, young, you know, 21 year old Sam just knew that businessmen made made a lot of money. So I studied entrepreneurship uh, from my undergrad at BYU and um yeah, then then I left uh, undergrad and I spent two years doing an export business with my father-in-law, sending um, you know cereal and and uh, leg quarters to to Tahiti, and that was really my first experience out, out in the world doing anything. And um, it taught me to ask a lot of questions. It taught me I didn't you know most things I did not know, and uh, I, I had to I had to figure out how to do things on my own. Um, didn't really have any mentors you know other than than my father-in-law. And I think I come away with those two years just really learning how to ask a lot of questions, which was good i I, I went back to MBA school um and and I took I studied finance um, which was which was a great program it also taught me a lot of things such as uh, time value of money I probably never forget that th- those formulas and those equations They were so intriguing to me you know when I was going to school back then um mm-hmm. but really i mean the the one thing that i liked about finance is that uh you know it taught me to follow the money right um there's so many things that we can look at and analyze as an analyst but it really taught me that principle is try, try your best to follow the money and you know that's where you that's where you're going to find uh, success so after i graduated from mba school um i started as a as an analyst for a publishing company and i was working in FP&A. So basically planning out the budgets for, you know, all all of the different departments. And I remember, you know, so my job was plan the budgets at the beginning of the year. And then after each month I go back to each department and say, Hey, you know, this is what you guys were forecasting. And this is what actually happened. Like, like why the difference? Can you explain me the difference so we Mm -hmm. can do a better forecasting? And that's really what, you know, send me down this path of data that, that I'm in today was that whenever I'd asked the marketing team questions, um, you know, I just felt like I needed more answers. I, I I needed more answers and to get better answers, I needed more data. I needed more context, I needed more data. And um I know that the 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 BI team, they were tired of they were getting really tired of me asking for, you know, reports. I asked for one report, I get it back. I'm like, oh I need I need six more reports because I have more questions, and so, you know, I taught them how to. Well, sorry, I I asked them if they could teach me. I said, "Hey, tell you what, I won't bug you guys anymore. I'll buy you breakfast. You teach me how to do it. Just teach me how to code, how to write some SQL, and then that way I don't need to bug you anymore." And wow, um, and that's really how that that's really how I got into to coding and and getting into data and databases was right there. fp a guy trying to dabble in data, trying to get dangerous with data, right? So, um, you know, I'll, I guess I'll pause there, Shiv. I don't know if you, ever, you have any questions, but um, I'll just take a little pause there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned uh, the context along with the analytics. When people talk about data and you talk about analysis, paralysis and so on. So how do you uh, no, add context to make sure that you do the right kind of analysis as what is relevant for you.
1: Yeah, I just think it goes back to asking asking a lot of questions. These were the early days of Google, so Google Google what I can. But when when the marketing manager said, "Oh well, we had you know we, we plan on spending this much on search, this much on display," I had to understand like, okay, well, what is the purpose? Like, what's the difference? Like, why do you spend some on search? Why do you spend some on display? So I ask them a lot of questions, but then I also go and do my own research, watch any videos I can, read any articles so that I better understand, okay, this is what they were trying to do. They were trying to help the the, the awareness of the company with the display ads. And then with the search, they're really targeting people who are, who are, you know, have high intent to convert. And so that's good. That helps me to better understand and analyze what the effectiveness of the spend, you know, should have been for each of them. But I think it's really important just to not look at data, but you have to put it in context. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's nice. But today, there are uh, so many sources of data, or data keeps changing, particularly in an organizational context, if you're doing operations. And uh, people have a lot of difficulty in identifying what are the KPIs to track, or what will really tell us whether we are going in the right direction, or uh, whether we need to make any changes in our strategy. How can one interpret or read data to help for the future? Otherwise, it's more like looking at the rearview mirror because most of the data is about what happened.
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, I think a lot of people are just happy to get the data and they said, oh, this is what happened. But to your point, we really need data to move past that. We need data to help us improve the business. And for me, I, I think two thoughts come to mind. One, one for me is just going back to, to to follow the money. I mean, every goal of every business is, you know, for, from an economic standpoint is to get customers and to retain them. It's really those, those two things uh, above all. So everywhere I've gone, I always start at that high level. Okay, so what is it exactly that's driving new customers? And what is it exactly that's retaining new customers? And then I go one level deeper, right? Until I have something that's in my control, that I could help it could be you know increasing conversion rates on the website that's going to help you know increase my pipeline which is in turn going to increase my sales and so that that's the first thought is uh you know fo- follow the money i think if you do that then you can really know what data you should focus in on you know what's going to be data worth analyzing because you know let's face it there's mountains of data a lot of it is not really that useful for helping the business to be able to acquire customers and retain customers. So that that's my approach. Second approach is for, for forecasting. That that was my job as a as an FPNA analyst. You know, FPNA stands for financial planning and analysis. And it's the arm of finance that's in charge of forecasting out the, the future revenues and expenses. And so for us, it was all about looking at the historical data. We would look at the historical data, but we know that the future is, is not always the same circumstances as the past. And so we need to, you know, we, we spend a lot of time with each of the teams that are either spending money, especially marketing, and we spend time with them. Say, hey, this is what you guys have done in the past. You know, what is it that you guys are planning on doing in the future? Our targets are this, you know, our top level, top down targets are this. Like, what are the initiatives that you're going to do to reach that? Because this is a much higher growth clip than what you've been doing historically. And so once I get that context from them they say, oh, you know, we're going to drop this new campaign. We're, we're starting this new initiative with, with a TV series this year. Then, you know, I can, I can go ahead and put those and fold those into the forecast as for a much more accurate, um, you know, forecast. We, we can give them data. If they have idea for like a TV series, we can give them data to show, Hey, these are the areas of the website. This is the content that's resonating with our customers. You know, you may wanna have, you know, you you use this data to make sure that you build a TV series that's uh, that's gonna be, um, you know, resonating with with our customer base. So so that's another thing is, you know, I think work, work with the teams to get that context and then use the past data to help them with future campaigns, so.
0: Yeah, good. So this seems to require a lot of expertise know to interpret forecast and take decisions so what was your trigger for data
1: join okay so data join yes so you know when i started working in fpna i moved to analytics i was working at ancestry.com and um, then then i moved to a to a company called domo and i you know ran their their marketing analytics team over there um, so the the idea with data join you know, really starts here in these early days with Ancestry and Domo in that you have disparate data sets. You have so many different sources of data. You got marketing who's using ad platforms, Google ads, Facebook. You've got the web analytics team analyzing the website, doing A-B testing and Google analytics and, and Adobe analytics. You have the marketing automation team using Marketo, sales team using Salesforce, CRM. So you have all these different systems involved in in the customer journey and um, you know I was trying to connect all of them especially the end of the funnel uh, Salesforce for for B2Bs that's where all the deal information is at and I was trying to connect that deal information back to you know Google Ads and Facebook Ads so I can see inside of Google hey I spent this much and it drove not just this many visits to the site or clicks but it also drove 100 opportunities it drove 20 deals last quarter, you know, that's worth 10 million in revenue. And it's really about closing the loop with marketing so that they can see, you know, what their marketing efforts are driving beyond clicks. That that really started, you know, that was work that I did, um, like I said, Ancestry, even another startup before that one-on-one marketing. And this idea of combining disparate data sets Today, that's all we do at Data Joint. I don't, we don't even do any dashboards anymore. All we do is connect the data from system to system so that marketers can prove out their value one, but even more importantly, so they can activate the data. The, the customer journey is so spread out amongst all the systems, it's fragmented. And every team really needs to know all the data points in the system that they use if they want to do the best personalization if they want to do the best type of activation. And, um, if web data, if, if Google Analytics only knows web data, then it's very limited, you know, compared to if it had sales data in there as well, for example. And that that's what Data Join does today.
0: Uh, you said that early on, while you were a student as well, you had the opportunity to run a business. What is yes. the difference between running the export kind of business and starting up a technology company?
1: <laughs> well to me there there's a big difference um because this business i started really it came from years and years of my career in in identifying and solving this problem so the export business i i knew nothing about leg quarter chicken leg quarters and dimension and uh, container dimensions i don't know anything about that but i know all about databases and i know all about connecting disparate systems over 15 years uh, in in working in seeing that, hey, this company has that problem. This other company has the problem. You know what, like pretty much every marketing, B2B marketing has this problem. So I came in with a lot more confidence knowing this space inside and out. I know some entrepreneurs, they're really good at just coming up with new ideas, left and right and um, awesome ideas and being able to go and and fundraise. But there are other entrepreneurs like myself, it really comes from just you know go, going through work experience and identifying gaps just just through doing the work, and that's the path that I took. So I, I was a lot more confident going into data drunk because I knew I had a problem that's worth solving.
0: Yeah, that's definitely addressing one part of what it needs to be an entrepreneur, but then working with, let's say the people who are associated with the export import kind of business versus working with techies.
1: For me, it, it was very different. I mean, working with export. I remember, you know, driving to uh, dri- driving to the dock in L.A. You know, I grew up partly in L.A., and I was trying to figure out how to how to get the best priced fifty gallon drums, right, um, for for one of the projects we were working on. And I just remember driving into this looked like a junkyard to me, and I drove up there at the dock and. I found this this old man and I said, hey, I, I didn't know what I was talking about. I said, hey, can, can you give me the best price for for your drums? It wasn't low enough for what I was looking for. And I remember asking him for his middleman. I mean, I was just a 20-year-old kid out of college. I didn't know any better. I said, well, can you give me your supplier? And I just remember he got so angry at me. He was yelling at me, I'm not going to give you my supplier. What, what are you <laughs> talking about? And I didn't know. I'm like, I don't even know why he's mad, you know, because I, I, I'm so new to all this business. I'm just trying to get a good deal. But uh, it's definitely, to me, that's, that's kind of an old school style of business where, you know, they, they kind of keep their, uh, their, their network secured um, today. And with techies, I, I feel like it's different. I feel like, you know, everyone is generally, generally open. There's so much documentation everywhere. There's open source. There's open APIs. There's a willingness to want to collaborate. And, and I really enjoy that because it allows me to be able to learn faster. Compared to you know that export business, the people I dealt with, they seem really old school. Um, it seemed a little bit harder to 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 deal with um, those people, and it had to maybe had to do with the fact that I was young. I didn't really know you know much other than uh, than surfing. You know that's <laughs> that's about it. So, um, but that's yeah. I I hope that helps. But that's some of the difference that I see. Yeah. So. The
0: related thing is uh, we usually say that uh, developing or deploying IT solutions. Is teamwork. So, has any of your football experience helped with creating the team or promoting a team
1: spirit? You know what I think. Um, in general, you know my my people, the the people of the the islands, the Polynesians. Um, you know, we have a saying that it, it takes a village, you know, to raise a child. So, I think naturally, that's how our people are. Like we, we don't really want to take the credit. Um, just Generally speaking, we we don't want to put ourselves above the others and we want to help everyone in in the village. Right. Um, If you go back to any of the islands, your kids are safe going around the village because that's that's where where they're protected. Um, Same same for team sports. I think that's why that's part of the reason why we do well in in in, uh, in sports such as American football because of this culture that we have. Uh, and also because we're much bigger and stronger than everyone else in general as well. But um, yeah, I mean, with our team, you know, with data join right now, I, I love it because our team has gotten bigger and I feel like um, that's the cultures that we're, that we're trying to to instill. We, we just released our, our core values. The first one, the first core value for our company data join is Aloha. You know, most of us are at data join are, are from the islands. There's more, Pacific Islander origin than, than not at the moment, uh, in mm-hmm. terms of our employees. So that's, that's, a, that's not just our company culture, but that's our ethnic culture. That's that we take care of each other. Um, you know, we're not just going to, you know, throw each other away in the trash after we can't, you know, make, after we butt heads a couple of times, we, we, we work through it and we take care of each other. And then our last quote co- in our last core value, number five is, you know, it takes a village where everyone takes care of each other. So at, at our company, um, yeah, we have that collaboration. I feel we're, we're getting better all, all the time. Um, but yeah, I think, I think if you were to come to one of our, um, one of our, our company meetings, I think you would see, yeah, there's a, there's a care for everyone. You know, everyone cares about each other in there and we're focused on, uh, you know, achieving our goals together. So.
0: Wonderful the other side of the same thing starting in polynesia which is not one of those you know tech uh, hot spots were there any barriers that you had to cross to get to this point
1: i feel like uh the the way that i was raised my mother raised me my, my mother's a hawaiian lady my father's someone she raised me to believe that um everything was everything was equal for me Like I could go get anything just as much as the white kids next, you know, next door here here in the States. She raised me that way. And um, I really felt that way all throughout my college, all throughout my career, you know, being an entrepreneur, this is, this really put that belief, you know, to the test that this, this was hard for me to, to see. Um, It's one thing to work for a company and, you know, be backed by a by a very well-known brand name and a lot of resources as the director of marketing analytics, you know, people listen to me very easily. Um, when I was off on my own, I feel like, you know, I, I do feel like it was, it was tough for me. It took me a long time to be able to raise money. Um, and I know there's probably a variety of different, you know, different reasons. Um, you know, we're coming in, in, in the data space and I I realize that's crowded, but, uh, you know, we do things very different than all the other data companies out there. So and plus we had customers. So I felt that we shouldn't have any problem, you know, raising money. But yet I did run into well mostly knows. I mean, I, I basically got turned down and mm. it would be discouraging when I would see other people um, posting, you know, maybe on LinkedIn that they were pre-revenue, pre-customers you know, young out of college and they have a $50 million valuation. And they landed, you know, $5 million seed round. And it'd be frustrating to me, you know, to to see that. Um, so, like I said, there could be a variety of reasons. I personally feel like, you know, our people, it's not very common to see us here in, in these pitches. Um, people are used to us being, being ath- professional athletes and, uh, and, and entertainers. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, with, with this, and there's others, you know, I just, there's definitely others who are, who are also trailblazing here, but I, I hope that it helps to change that the perception here in the U S that uh, Pacific Islanders can also, you know, can also be tech founders and CEOs.
0: Yeah. Good. So in this, having come from an, fna background and when you are using technology have you had any moments of joy or what you like about technology and moments of frustration about limitations or the vagaries of technology
1: oh for sure for sure my 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 joy comes from you know at at data Join, we call ourselves uh, a marketer's best friend right that's that's our hashtag you know we'll hashtag that on linkedin everywhere marketer's best friend and really that that's where my joy comes from throughout my career and even with uh even with data join is being able to give these marketers something that they've been dreaming of they've been dreaming of being able to personalize the way that they want to but they don't have the right data to be able to do that they've been dreaming of being able to show their impact to the bottom line but they haven't had the data to do that so every time that we help our customers achieve their goal these marketing uh team members that's where that's where a lot of the, the the joy comes from. Let me just give you an example. So I was meeting with one of my customers on Friday, you know, from a big uh, Fortune 500 company, and, you know, we were talking about, you know, what, what they're doing is they're taking um, segments out of their web analytics, and they're putting that into Google Ads for, you know, much, much better re- remarketing uh, in Google Ads. And it's something that, you know, that hardly no one is doing in the industry, because they don't know how to, or it's, it, you know, they, they don't know that it's possible. Um, and so just meeting with that team, you know, at, at this, you know, with, with our customers, to see them so excited, they're like, oh my goodness, like this, like, this is awesome. I didn't know we could do this. And they're setting up meetings with other departments to be able to show this capability off, because it's going to really help them with their Google ads. So that that's the joy, you know, when you said, like, what gives me joy? That gives me joy getting off of every call and knowing that we use data in a different way that anyone else has used it and that we're helping our customers to be able to to expand their vision of what's possible and to be able to reach their goals. So that's, that's, that's the joy. So for the frustrations, you know, um, data join, we connect systems together and really it just depends on, on the API. So for example, Google Ads and um, Google Ads and, and Adobe yeah. Analytics from my last example, both of those systems have APIs, so many different endpoints, and you can get, you know, data in and out of, of, uh, of the system. And so a lot of the frustration is when, you know, some of these systems, their API is not as well built out, right? Um, maybe it's a younger company and they just, they haven't really built out that functionality, or maybe it's uh you know it's bigger companies such as Google and LinkedIn these marketing companies and they actually keep you know trimming back their API cuz they want to give out less and less. And so for me we are trying to make these integrations as painless as possible for marketers. So there are some systems you know that are easier to work with and it just depends on the API. So when you ask for some of the frustrations in technology um that that's what comes you know first first to mind is like oh well, you have to deal with that API. And I look at the dev team, I say, well, good luck. I hope you guys can find a way there, like do your best. Or they come to me and say, oh, well, we, we, we get to work with this API. I'm like, oh, good for you guys. You know, that that's a good API over there. So, yeah.
0: So how do you see the impact of uh, the trend of AI, ML kind of solutions, which uh, seem to take away some of the analysis uh, work
1: from people? Um, I, I've been around the, the the data game before the before the term data science and analytics and machine learning and AI became you know hot buzzwords and and kind of commonplace. Um, and so you know my thought is that I think the promise of AI and machine learning that hey, it's gonna do everything for you you know that's a, that's a very attractive idea for a lot of people, right? Because it's kind of like magic to them, right? And they they think that it's gonna do everything. Um, but just working in data, you know the saying, um, you know, garbage in, garbage out, right? If If you don't have good data, if you don't have good good context, then you're gonna have a hard time to be able to to predict the future. And so like I feel that uh, that machine learning, it's as awesome as it is and as awesome as the algorithms are. Um, it's only as good as the inputs, and more importantly, it's I I feel like you really need that that context. Um, let me just tell a story. So, one time uh, when when I was working, uh, yeah, uh, this is probably six seven years ago at at this point, but you know our company was evaluating um, three different lead scoring vendors. You know, one of them was Lattice Engines. They're you know best in class lead scoring. Um, and then I, I forgot the name of the two other ones. And I asked my CMO, I said, Hey, can I just can can I build my own model? Because um I think that we have better data internally that's gonna predict better. You know, these guys have a ton of demographic data that we don't have because they're scraping websites and you know, getting job titles, getting zip codes, everything for everybody. I'm like but for me that's not what that's not predictive as as predictive as you know what they're doing on our website you know what videos are they watching how many are they watching how long you know how many times do they come to our website how many downloads do they do which was the data that we had internally and so i i already had a good feeling i already had a strong feeling that my model would outperform theirs not because my math is better than theirs they're probably using a stronger algorithm but because the inputs that, that I had were, were much stronger, you know, uh, signals for, for, for prediction. And sure enough, when we compared our models, you know, my internal model was much stronger. And um, so I, I think just, just back to your, you know, back to your, uh, to, to your question, I think that machine learning, I think that people should not just blindly give, you know, give their, give their um, technology over to to machine learning. I don't think it's going to work that well if they do that, but it's all about, um, to me, it's all about following the money. It's about getting the context. It's about being able to measure like the actual things that are driving, you know, driving um, uh, increases and decreases in in your revenue. And that's really what's going to help you have the right conversations. If something predicts something and say, oh, well, this is the score. I mean, people are going to be like, "Well, well, what does that mean? Like, It doesn't really you know it doesn't really help um help people who are who are trying to manage certain parts of the business so yeah
0: so i guess that's a good segue to uh, uh what would be your career advice for either people who are wanting to start in it or mid career people who want to shift to data or analytics
1: yeah oh well, that's a good question and you know my experience um I've never taken a formal IT or computer science course uh, in my career. I mean, I, I studied business and MBA in finance. Um, I took a lot of, you know, l- like learn from different people and YouTube videos and online courses. Um, but my advice would be for those, yeah. So for those who are wanting to switch, let, let me just focus there. Cause that's really what I did. If you feel like you have a passion for for data, um, and you know you might you're in marketing and you want to move to marketing analytics or something. Um, the the basic technical skill set um, that I would start with is uh, SQL, and not really you know SQL is a big language, but SQL for analytics specifically, like how do I combine tables together so I can have a data set you know that I can analyze, right? So that's the technical skill number one that I would recommend. Um, and then Excel is good for analysis. It's free. It's uh, it's very flexible, and you know you'll find that you can move a lot faster there in your in your sketching and your your brainstorming. Um, and then the last technical skill I would say is Python. If you're wanting to get into uh, into data analysis and data engineering, you need to be able to pull this data you know data from different uh, APIs. Across the web and Python is a great language. You know, focus on 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 the requests library, on different data structures, and that'll really help you to be able to pull the data and, you know, reformat it to the to 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 the format that you need to be able to, um, you know, put it in a database or analyze it. Um, so that that's the technical side. I will say this, and the, like there, there's the soft skills side. I feel this is more important than than the technical side, but really you know, focusing on that skill follow of uh, following the money, just that finance mindset. I really feel that, you know, that really helped my career in analytics because um, there are some people in data and analytics and IT, they don't really know what is the, is the best thing to analyze that's going to help the business. Um, so if you could focus in on that skill set of just critical thinking, asking questions like, hey, you know start at the top is this helping me to get new customers? Is this helping me to retain more customers? If you could focus on that skill set of you know really identifying you know where the money is that's gonna make you a killer analyst and then and then if you know if you have the technical skills to be able to go out and do these ideas that you have in your head, you'll be a killer um data analyst and asset to any any company you go to so that's you know that's my thought there um if you're starting off in IT, I would recommend this, the same thing. Like IT people, it's you know, there's the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain. I feel like the best that rise to the top, they have a little bit of both. Like they, they can do the technical, but they can also do, you know, that critical thinking and put on their business hat.
0: Yeah. On that very positive note for people and IT careers, thank you, Sam, for the time that we had. Uh, I do have some more questions. We should probably get some other opportunity to continue our conversation because this is such an interesting topic of being able to infer meaning from data coming from different sources.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yes. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about that. And really, that's at the heart of data Join. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll leave you with this thought. Um, not only is our systems uh, fragmented and siloed, but... Teams, you know, the teams that use the different systems are also fragmented and siloed. I mean, marketing is a big department, but there are at least three different types of platforms that marketers manage. And those are three different teams. And you'll be surprised how they all sit next to each other, but they don't talk that much to each other, only when they play ping pong, maybe, but they don't really talk about what they're doing that much together. They really, you know, live in their own box. And uh, data joint tries to break down those silos. This is an interesting conversation, indeed, Shiv. Like we we could have a whole other uh, discussion on this. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Simon, Once yeah. again.
1: You're welcome. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, really nice to meet you, Shiv. <laughs>